Welcome to Ghazali. You know, the usual problem with most people is uh, what to do in their life. There's a constant struggle, especially when you're 18 year old, uh, you don't know where to go, what to become. As somebody like me, I wanted to become everybody uh, because I was uh, mostly good at all subjects. So I wanted to become a doctor, engineer, uh, everybody, uh, except for a musician and a priest and a soldier. Hmm? Uh, but I did uh, do my medicine and then I recovered very fast and I'm pursuing my art. Today we have with us somebody who uh, really found her love and is pursuing what she loves to do. We have Dipti Astana. Dipti studied bioinformatics. She's an engineer in bioinformatics. Bioinformatics, by the way, is a, a science, is a multidisciplinary science of uh, uh, using uh, apps and digital uh, things to analyze biological data. Sometimes the data is so huge that it requires special applications. That's what she did. And then she thought she would go to America, did, do her post-graduation and become some big uh, head of some uh, <laughs> pharmaceutical or something like this. But then uh, she found her IT job. Within one year, she knew that this is not what she wants to do. And then the struggle began, what would I like to do? And I think uh, she found the answers soon. Let us hear from her. Welcome, Dipti, Thank to the show, Ghazali. And tell us, uh, how was this transition uh, from, from uh, a bioinformatics engineer to a photographer of great repute? Um, so I would say that it's very important to know that what do you not want and then when you know that what do you not want it starts to become clearer and clearer that what do you want so for me the realization that I don't want to be in an office job I don't want to spend my time and my life sitting in an office in front of a computer that's not what I want to do so that became very clear and then of course then you have to figure out, okay, what do I want to do? So there was a time uh, in the year 2012, I was in London for a small stint uh, in my IT job. And then I had a British colleague who, had, who was a hobby photographer. And he used to take beautiful landscape photos. And for me, it was very amazing. I'm like, oh, you don't really need any education for that. You can just get a camera, get a tripod and go out and take photos. How wonderful is that? And I joined him for a couple of uh, trips and um, he was kind enough to lend me his camera. But I was a very shy, timid girl. For me, going out with a camera in public and taking pictures, it's, it's sort of like a very unthinkable thought. So, uh, like every beginner, I started to take photos of butterflies and flowers and all of that. So, it started from there. But then I realized that um, I always had the passion of traveling. And for me, the camera became such a wonderful com com companion, you know, just to go out and travel with camera. And I just traveled everywhere possible in India, in the remotest place. I went to Spiti, I went to Leh Ladakh, Tamil Nadu, Kerala, wherever, whenever I get any vacation, any lease, I would just go and travel. And I, I realized that I love taking photos of people. That is something which is the 
which is so clear to me that I, I, I love nature, I love wildlife, but it is um, photographing people which I really enjoy. Why do you love photographing people? To understand people, to understand people, to have that moment of a connection with people that you um, want to know about them. I have always been curious to know about life in general and how people live, lead different kind of life. And it's a way for me to find my own answers. Uh, there was an inner struggle for me about my life and my past. So for me, it's like I'm not able to find answers sitting back at my home. I need to go out and find answers. Okay, by the way, I didn't introduce you very properly right at the beginning. Dipti is a National Geographic photographer. She has won uh, the World Press Photo Award. And uh, I must, and I think that uh, you click pictures of people and uh, I have a feeling that you do that because you empathize with them. You want to know their life, you want to you use photography as a medium to connect with people. Uh, when did you get your first break as a photographer? Um, yeah, so I was traveling a lot. I was doing travel photos, but the travel photo did not seem to take me further in my quest to know people's life, to understand people's life. And then I discovered something. You mentioned last time the travel photo, you used to travel, stay in good, very good hotels, yeah, yeah. very comfortable. <laughs> and you really mentioned something that to be very comfortable is not very conducive to great art. Yeah, that's the thing that, you know, I'm, I've never been that kind of traveler that I go to a five-star hotel and live in a comfy space and then, you know, eat in fancy restaurants and come back. For me, that's a, that's a loss, you know, that's a, that's a huge loss that you go to a new country, you know, you go to a new state and you don't get to see anything in that deeper sense, you know, you don't get to meet people, you don't understand the culture, you don't understand, you know, the, the art of, uh, of the state. So for me, it's like, no, I don't want to be that kind of traveler. I have never been that kind of traveler. So I, I again, I have to make that judgment and opt out that travel vlogging is not for me. You know, so you're always like striking options off your list that this is what I don't So you were want. not interested in traveling, staying in big hotels and promoting the hotels and promoting the place. No, that's... You wanted to <laughs> find something else. Yeah. So what was the first thing which gave you that break? Yeah, so I was feeling a little stuck in my corporate job and I started to travel to Himalayas. And um, there I found two teenager girls and we became... I think before that you talked about the Vidharba, this pharmacist. Yeah, so these things were happening a lot in parallel. Um, at one side I wanted to find an escape. I started to travel to Uttarakhand and doing these stories of teenager girls. Other side, um, I was in Mumbai and there was a constant news of farmer suicide uh, coming every day in the newspaper and it was very disturbing that every day you get to hear that, you know, the, there's so many people committing suicide and Vidarbha is not far from Mumbai, it's 600 odd kilometers. So for me, it was very impulsive that um, I just wanted to go there. I don't and know you, how. And you were already in a corporate job. I was in corporate job and for me it's like I want to go there, I want to do something and I don't know how, I just had this 
feeling that I have to go there. So I randomly found some contact on um, Google, this NGO who was in Vidarbha and I called that person. I'm like, I want to come and do this story. Can I come? And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful couple who has been working with farmer for almost 30 odd years and they invited me to their home and I lived with them I lived with the women who have lost their husbands so for me I want to I want to try to capture that angle that when the men who are not able to take the pressure and committing suicide what's happening with their wives or children now who is taking care of all that so I started doing um, I did that story and it was emotionally very difficult for me to go there and live with the women in the same room where their husbands have committed suicide and and so I came back and then I'm like, okay, what do I do with that? So I uh, wrote an article and um, I, I pitched that thing to uh, Al Jazeera English um, newspaper. It's based in Dubai and they accepted it. And I was very surprised because they never came back saying, oh, do you have a degree in photojournalism or do have you ever published anything before? Like what's your track record? They just like the article they liked the work and they published it and i was very happy that okay the whatever i'm doing very intuitively it's working out for me um and similarly i was traveling in himalayas i was for me it was just an escape because i was living in a very concrete city i have always loved mountains so i made uh, several trips to himalaya and then um, I was working with the stories of two teenager girls and it's a very simple story. It's just about um, teenage, it's just about finding connection with the nature, um, especially when your life is a little difficult. So for me, it's just, I kept on going there and I sort of so wanted to... So you followed these girls for five years? Yes, yes. For me, it was a very interesting time. Every summer time. vacation. Every summer vacation. When I met them, they were 10 years old and very childlike, very free. And by the end of the project, they were almost turning 15, 16 and now becoming more conscious, a little more like, you know, behaving like adult. So the transition was like really beautiful. The only thing which sort of made me go back and stay connected with them is when we are out in nature, we all are children. I'm a child again, they are a child again. We are going and you know, sometimes climbing on rocks, sometimes going for the waterfalls, finding new things every day. It just became a beautiful, nice uh, friendship in a way. And for me, that's escape. For them, it's escape. It was like a perfect uh, way for me to photograph. So I was not following that, oh, what documentary photography is and how should you do it. I just felt I just did whatever I feel like doing. Foundation of your photography is empathy. Yeah, it's a it's a connection. You know, it's a way to yeah the, connect with their life. Connect with their lives. Their connect joy. with my own life. Connect with myself because sometimes we are rushing so much in our lives, in our job, uh, in you know the the pressure of being productive all the time that does not give us any space. Uh, to think about where I'm going. And you, if you're not questioning that, you will never tend to change your path. You know, you know, just keep on following what everyone else is following, what everyone else is doing, because no one is questioning that. No one sort of like has that time and capacity to question it. And once you question it, then the quest start. That, okay, now I have questioned it, and now where do I go from there? <laughs> 
so this project with the two girls so they did it for 5 years and what happened to that project it was published yes it was um, actually funded by this organization called focus scotland at that time they were giving grant to three indian artists and three artists from scotland and everyone was supposed to you know uh, work further uh, but this project has been published to multiple places multiple magazines uh, even very recently also i keep on getting requests for it to be published again um i think um i think the essence of the photos in the project is that it's it's done with a lot of curiosity there's a, there's a, there's a, um there's an element of mystery in the photographs so it's still uh, sort of uh, i would say um the lot of request i get for the exhibition and publication is of that project we will deviate from the subject a little bit because uh, we forgot to talk about your father because you started uh, the, your presentation at museum of goa with uh, a picture of your father and a poem you wrote about him please talk to us about your father so um Yeah I mean there was a there was a time recently um especially during pandemic I had lot of these um lot of these uncomfortable questions about myself that uh, who am I you know those those bigger questions and I realized that you can never understand about yourself until unless you understand about as much about your parents and for me okay my mother is there and i think i know her uh, uh, well uh, but i lost my father at a very young age i was 4 and i really didn't have any memory of him except him uh, you know the the last uh, memory of him when he actually uh, he was dead at that time and he came uh, um in a truck uh, arrived his dead body arrived in a truck after 5 days of his death um you know on a, on a huge slab of ice and that's a that's a very uh, difficult memory for a child to have of your father and then i of course uh, when i talk to other people they will always tell their version of his you know what kind of person he is and all of that and then i just saw his uh, photo one particular frame wherever we lived there was the frame was hanging everywhere and i look at that frame and i'm like how do i perceive this this is a person who is supposed to be my father and if he was alive my life would have been very very different completely different um so yeah so i end up writing something because sometimes um photography does not feel enough so i end up writing this these lines um i'll read it for you um i saw you from the corner of my eyes sometimes in the family album mostly hanging on the wall I saw you in broken mirrors while searching for my own soul but do I even know you you are just a stranger on the wall did we ever play in parks did you ever hold my hand they whispered stories about you they said you loved me best among all a tear dropped on the cheek without even knowing what i lost you're just a stranger on the wall Yeah so I wrote these lines and then for me is like I I want to go to the places where he lived so majorly interesting enough that he may live majorly his life in Uttarakhand as a civil engineer so he constructed schools he constructed colleges um and for me it was very weird and interesting to go and see that this is the place which my father built 
you know, uh, to, to just to go and uh, stand on the same ground where he might have stood at one point of time to, to probably not breathe the same here, air but the same atmosphere where he must have been alive. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a quest to, you know, know and knowing him. And there was this phone call from a friend of his. Yeah, that was, that was very uh, interesting in a way that I found a photo of him and in the photo, uh, my, my father might have had that habit that he wrote the name of his friend. And uh, interestingly enough that the friend, uh, and then they were, they were, they were playing um, the sport at that time. Interesting enough that the, the friend, he is a famous person. He is uh, chairman of um, Golf Club of India. And I found him on Facebook. It was easy to find him on Facebook. And I was chatting with him. I'm like, I found this photo of you. And he's like, oh, so wonderful. I'm like, the, the person next to you is my father. I am his daughter. Like, oh, so nice. And uh, can, you, can you give me his number? I have not been in contact with him for so long. And you know, in today's digital world, it's so easy to connect with people and all of that. But at that time, he didn't remain in touch with his a very, very good friend. He didn't I didn't know that say. he had died. He didn't know that. And after 30 years, he is asking me his contact number. So I had to tell him that. And it was so weird to tell him that, that you know, he passed away some 30 odd years ago. Yeah. Let's talk about another project which you did, which is a little bit connected with Goa because Serendipity Art Festival happens here. Yeah. And one of the curators, Dinesh Khanna, he saw your work and offered you a project. Yeah. Um, right. So it's, um, it's, it's something like I visited Dhanush Kori and then I had some photos and I sent him some of the work and he was at that time... You must tell them, uh, the audience, where is Dhanush Kori? Yeah. I was, um, so Dhanush Kori is, um, is a region which is further to Rameshwaram in Tamil Nadu and it's a long strip of um, just a road and there are some 400 odd families who are living on the both sides of the road and uh, this particular strip, it's um, the, the sea both the sides, there's Indian Ocean, there's Arabian Sea, so it's just uh, some earth existing between two seas. So geographically it's a very interesting area and as an inquisitive traveler I went there, I photographed something and I came back and I uh, sent some work to him and somehow he remembered that. After a, I think a year or something he had this opportunity um, to curate an exhibition. So the, the concept was that um, they are going to give grants to six different artists, uh, women artists, and they will go and create work wherever they want to do. So it became a very obvious choice for me that, okay, let me get that grant. Um, and yeah, they were kind enough to give me that grant. And I'm like, okay, I want to go back to Dhanush Kodi because it's a place that you want to go back again and again, you know. Um, so I went back and there was a particular theme also. The theme was to find... Um, uh, to find extraordinary people in an ordinary place.
mm-hmm. you know so for oh, that's me that's very nicely put yeah extraordinary people <laughs> in an ordinary in place in an ordinary place because if people look at it they'll say oh it's an ordinary place but if you if you have those eyes it's an uh, it's a very special place and then i found few very special people like really inspiring people and i think there has been a constant theme i would say in my life when i had to do things which um wanted me to have more courage it is always i've seen people who have shown exceptional courage and from that understanding i'm like when people can do it i can do that too you know so i met some amazing people there one of the uh, fishermen i was talking to you about um his name is uh, karadi and he um, karadi is a uh Uh, is a bear. Bear. It's a, it's a bear. Bear man. Bear. Bear man. And that's not actually his real name. He got this name because um, he lost his uh, arm and both the eyes in um, in a particular fishing method, which is called blasting um, method. And what you do is basically you you throw a bomb on the on the and see wherever you see a group of fishes and. the fish die and you catch and they get a shock and you catch it easily so uh, that was a very harmful and dangerous uh, fishing method and now it's banned it's not um, there anymore uh, but because of that he lost his arm and both the eyes um, but this guy he continued fishing he continued going in the sea i mean this whole act of going in the sea with the bare minimum technology and just the sense of direction that itself is a very courageous task i i absolutely salute fishermen for that kind of showing that kind of courage that they just go with that faith that we will go how many years ago did he lose eyes it was um i think in the year it, me i'm not very sure about it i think it was in 2005 or something okay. it was in 2004 to 2005 um so all this years is fishing yeah. yeah and he's fishing and he he is probably the most energetic person he is the one who would be singing loudest laughing loudest and then he would also be like shall i show you that how can i how i swim with one arm and he's just jumped in the middle of sea and you know he swam across the uh, sea that was just so wonderful to see and then um, similarly i met more uh, such people there i met two women who have been um aven- abandoned by their husbands and then you know suddenly they're like okay now we have to take care of the family we have to take care of children so they were doing the main forefront job of fishing not not many women do it you know uh, in the in the in the fishing community it's usually men's job to you know go and uh, spread the net and all of that so they were doing it uh, another girl i found like a very wonderful uh, young girl and she she was the only girl and the first girl in the village who completed his her education till class 12th so she was given this laptop by the government unfortunately there is no electricity to charge it you know so for me my job was to meet these people and the and the funny thing is it didn't take enough time for me to find these characters they were just appearing we have very little time so i think your story of this girl mm-hmm. who finished at 12th standard yeah. and who is now uh, about to get married to a man who has not studied anything 
Yes. And uh, that's because all your work has a gender base. True. So you are working with women. True. Uh, in your photography. True. That's one of your agendas. So right. please tell us about this girl. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was I was uh, so happy to meet her that there's this person who's so ambitious and hopeful about her future. Uh, and we started to talk and spend more time. And then suddenly she started to cry. I'm like, why are you crying? It's like, I, I want to go to college, but I cannot because I'm already engaged and my future husband, he doesn't want me to go to college. And then I inquired more and then I realized that person doesn't have the job. He's still, you know, trying to find out what to do and all of that. But he has that power to decide the future of this girl. And the family is like, we cannot do anything he would be deciding. So that is something which is a very common thing when I'm working in rural India. That's a very repetitive pattern. And I grew up in a very patriarchal state in Uttar Pradesh. All of these things I have seen around me all the time. All the time with my friends. When I was in school in class 12, my friends were getting married. And that's, that's the actual fear I have. I had this actual fear if I'm not going to study enough or study hard, there's a possibility that I might also get married in class 12. You know, so when you grow up with this kind of environment, it's, it's very normal, I think, to have this kind of um, inclination, uh, if you call it feminism or you call it, you know, the more empathy towards a particular gender mm -hmm. because things are very unfair. I think you're using your photography as a real powerful tool to bring out these issues. I think the last uh, project you could talk about now is what is your future project? You are doing something with women and water. Yes, um, so that's a project I'm uh, working uh, at the moment. Um, it's a project which is called the weight of the water. The weight of the water. The weight of the water. You're very good at giving names. The <laughs> thousand ponds, the weight of the water. Yeah, yeah I think title is important. Uh, you know, that, that's the first thing which captures the audience. So for me, for me, it's like who is lifting this weight? You know, um, this requirement of providing water, especially in the mountains where the terrain is so difficult. Um, and if you if you happen to go in that region in Uttarakhand, uh, most of the region actually now, uh, that there's a, there's an absolute crisis of water there. And when people think of Uttarakhand, they don't, don't think about water crisis. People think about Rajasthan, they think about Maharashtra, they think about MP, but no one thinks that a region like Uttarakhand, which has 16 rivers. You should also do this in Goa because in Goa, in spite of 120 inches of rain, There's we have water scarcity. Water, yeah. In the heavy rain outside, and a tanker comes to supply water to my museum. Yeah? I think water. I mean, this requires excellence in mismanagement of water, Absolutely. which our government seems to be having. Hmm. No, <laughs> I'm sorry, that, I interrupted that's a, you. That's the story now everywhere. You know, it just it takes time for people to recognize that because some regions people know it's a drought prone region but a region like Uttarakhand where you have 16 rivers people don't imagine that but water crisis in that region is a much bigger issue yeah. because you have to go up and down in the mountains find the natural springs to fill the water and that responsibility only comes to women yeah. and young girls yeah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it was wonderful talking to Dipti Astana. She really uses photography to empathize with people, to highlight issues, especially connected with women. And I really wish she comes to Goa and also 
takes up some of the issues including our water scarcity here and also perhaps the big issue which is facing us right now connected with water which is the Madhi issue, the river issue. Mm. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really hope so too. <laughs>